0: You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jesse with the Voluntary Vixens. I just wanted to take a moment here before the show started to give you an introduction about Uwe Dockhorn, who is a life coach that I interviewed for this episode. Um, I wanted to kind of go over the fact that we did this interview right before we went on lockdown for the pandemic. So, when I was doing the interview, we were all pretty hopeful and in good spirits, but I really think that as time has gone, this interview is probably one of the more important ones I've done just to help us get through something like this. So, um, I just wanted to let you guys know that maybe some of the stuff we're talking about seems a little out of date, and that probably is true, just because... We did that interview so early on. I think it was the second week of March. So um, forgive me if it does sound a little dated, but I still think that the overall message is something that we can all benefit from. And it's a little bit of a change of pace from the doomsday stuff that we hear on the news on a daily basis about coronavirus and about Donald Trump being an idiot and about Fauci needs to being fired. You get my drift. So without further ado... I want you to just sit back and just listen, and maybe we can all benefit from this one today. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jessie and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, This is Jesse with The Voluntary Vixens. And again, this week uh, I'm doing an interview with someone else uh, without Maddie because she is still getting settled into her work and her new home. And today I have a special guest all the way from Germany. And he's gonna be here to talk to us about personal responsibility and just how to just deal with stress and burnout Kind of a good uh, follow-up with what me and Kristen just talked about in our last podcast about nurses being stressed out and the healthcare system just being uh, an abysmal failure, basically. So, without further ado, I'm just going to introduce you to Uva. Do you want to tell us your full name and just your background?
1: Of course. Um I'm... Glad you're having me. So my name is Uwe Darkhorn, and uh, I'm known as a lifestyle liberator for medical professionals, for high achievers, for C-Suite executives. And lately, I, I worked uh, started working with uh, their very important partners, the VIPs, as I call them. So my background is, um, well, actually, I, start, um, I started working with uh, entrepreneurs 12 years ago. And what I do is really, um, you know, I I love what I do. It really became my purpose in my, in my life, and when I found out that uh, I I have to be a coach, so and that is kind of like where my career started. I was on different paths before, so but uh, uh, this is really what I'm doing since twelve years. I'm working over thirty thousand uh, coaching hours with clients together, and uh, I love it.
0: So. you you say you're working with um vip type people you're talking about people who are like in high stress jobs and exactly okay um so and you did mention like you work with a lot of medical professionals can you kind of give us just the spectrum of different professional type professionals you worked in the medical field
1: yeah you know it depends you know most of the times you know i started out with dentists so because they're (laughs) they're really having like uh uh, they're, they're wearing like five hats, you know, yeah. at, at a time. And uh, over time, the VIPs is, is meant, you know, they partners at home. Mm-hmm. So they're taking care of, uh, of the family and all that. So but it turned out that uh, there's a special kind of uh, fam- family dynamics also going in there. I work with uh, surgeons, uh, with other medical professionals, also with nurses. And uh, so it's kind of like the broader field uh, of medical professionals over, over the years. So but, uh, you know, they all have these, uh, there's on the one side there's the high achiever, you know, the provider for the family, so to say, and there's the, you know, the the part who takes care of the family. And I call them the VIPs, the very important partners at home. And there's a certain dynamic, you know, that I observed over the years that when the partner, you know, kind of like stays at home taking care of the kids, and mostly they have like two years old, three years old. So then, you know, they kind of like have this feeling of more and more feeling abandoned, staying at home. Mm-hmm. And also what about me? What about my next step in my career? Because most of them, you know, they went to college together and then the kids came, so to right. say, and then the decision has to be made. So who gonna stay at home? So they always there's always this uh, this, this difference uh, this unbalance, uh, this imbalance of, uh, of dynamics within the family and uh, so and the pressure is on the provider to um, you know so uh, they're working uh, over hours uh, in, a, in a system that is not getting easier from year to year
0: right which if you listen to our last podcast yeah, me and kristen imagine. lay it out <laughs> we realized quickly that um we could probably spend several episodes talking about in different areas of healthcare like how it's just becoming more and more of a demand on the on the on the doctors and the nurses who, to meet not just the client's needs or the patient's needs, but also insurance. Like we talked about how insurance is becoming right. the client really.
1: Exactly. And we're forgetting
0: yeah. about the patient really. That's what's actually happening. The patient is the kind of the afterthought and you want, you didn't go into that field to not take care of the patient, you know? So it is kind of, you it's know, true. It's true. There's, there's, Do you feel like that when people, your clients, kind, or yeah, your clients come right. to you and they say, yeah, "I just, I don't feel like I'm a good ner- nurse, or I'm, I'm not feel like I'm really as great of a doctor as I wanted to be," because, I nobody will let me.
1: <laughs> oh, that's that's absolutely true. So there's there are also the facts. Uh, you know, there there uh, are statistics out there. Medscape report. You know, st- uh, don't recall the the right year now, but uh, you know, a couple of years ago it was. Around 40% of all medical professionals experience burnout, and two to three years later, it grew up to 51%. So that means like every second medical professional experiences experience burnout in their practice. So Mm -hmm. kind of that's the you know the whole pressure that they're living in is at the edge, being at the edge of burnout. So and and, you know I define burnout as medical. Uh, sorry, as a, a mental and uh, physical breakdown. So it's, it's not just kind of like, you know, stumbling into something, you're feeling overwhelmed or so. It's, it's a really breakdown. So I have uh, clients I work with, they experienced uh, even uh, two burnouts or even three burn- burnouts. And I'm going to help them also, not only to get away from the fear of experiencing another one, because okay. then, you know, of course, uh, their family is at risk their business is at risk everything is at risk so they have to be um and then you know of course it's about responsibility what we're talking about and uh, who's gonna take this responsibility if the provider you know cannot fulfill this role any longer and that puts pressure on both of them you know the Mm -hmm. vip and and the provider itself so and um and there's a lot of pressure going on of course as you said from the system but then it's kind of uh, like uh, it grows into the family and you know then of course the the smallest members of the family you know the the children they have to yeah uh, there are you know what what really there's there's one thing that um there's one article in the in the washington post that really where, where, where i felt well i have to do something more against it because it's it said that um There was a uh, medical student um, who took his life Mm -hmm. um, and um, as a result and i couldn't believe what what i was reading and their um his mother was taking her life too
0: oh in the same way before that happened
1: no after that right after that right after that so when at the funeral, um, oh, the husband said, "I just lost uh, my whole family
0: oh, so and this is kind of like you know
1: it took me to the bone' it was, it was really like you know this is why why i'm I'm so passionate about uh, and uh, I created this uh, anti burnout system for liberating lifestyles so that it's all about you know you have to activate something that we have inside of us mm-hmm. and uh, so I helped these these uh, high achievers. Uh, uh, even to protect their family, and eventually.
0: Well, was that medical student here in America, or was yes. they in Germany? No, no, this is, yeah. Okay, because I, I feel the, like in America, yeah. it's like a lot of there's a lot of pressure to um, to like that's considered this, the highest success is to be like a doctor right. in America. But at the same time, our healthcare system. We don't know what we're doing with it, you know. I think that we're pulling, we're kind of like pulling on two ends of a rope. Like one end wants there to be, you know, single payer system, universal like universal health care, and then there's another end that really would just might would like government to not be involved at all mm. or no insurance involved. I'm on that end mm. because I I can see already what happens if government gets too much into mm. it, and I think that. Um, I like when I worked in psych, I worked in a psychiatric hospital for mm-hmm. a while. I remember a, um, one of my psychiatrists was interrupted while we were doing a treatment team by the, um, the utilization review nurse, which those, those are the nurses that basically talk to the, they're the li- liaison between us and the insurance company. So she's saying to our psychiatrist, hey, you need to come up with a a diagnosis for this patient because Mm -hmm. we can't bill for services. And the psychiatrist was like, I just met this patient. I don't have a diagnosis yet. And they're like, it doesn't matter, just give us something. Mm -hmm. And that the psychiatrist just was like, I hate where we're going with healthcare because I don't have time to even get to know my patient before I'm already labeling them with something. Mm -hmm. So it's... Not that I don't feel like people deserve to have any health care or have access to anything good to help them. It's just that when I put all my power into the hands of these entities that don't really know who these people are, don't even care, mm. I can see where the all these all the patients are just going to fall in the cracks and they're not going to be seen as
1: absolutely so they really are absolutely and so this is this is really uh, alarming so because you know it gets more and more restricted but it's it's happening all over the world so you know I, i recently lost my my mother and before that i took care of her and so i went had to go to all of her doctors because um of course she trusted me so i went with her and mm-hmm. uh, you know sometimes you and she always told me so why are they looking into their computer you know she's kind of like she's not the lady <laughs> she was not a lady like uh, she never had a smartphone so so, so put yeah. it that way so and, uh, and 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 they're not you know they're, they're just looking into the computer they have to fulfill something and they don't have the contact any longer to to their patient Yes. And, and then the trust is, uh, issues, you know, they mm-hmm. start to uh, decrease, of course, because of that. And, uh, but they're under pressure, too, because they are just strictly in the, in the system tactic. You know, there's like one patient after another. They yeah. have to have uh, 12, 20 uh, a day uh, just to fulfill everything. So I think, you know, that, that's also part of the problem, you know, just the, the system in itself yeah doesn't allow them and then you know of course then you have to f- the dynamics where I'm coming from you know is really at home mm-hmm. so you know they have the pressure when they're at work the providers then they go home there's a total different pressure yeah. they just want to you know they they want to be there for their kids and all that and 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 on and on and on so it's kind of like a an, you know and therefore it's it's just normal and uh, but not many talk about this amongst medical professionals because they also have uh, the fear of repercussions. So many of my clients, you know, they just, oh, yeah. they love that, you know, of course they have a solution outside of the system. So that's also a part when they come um, to see me because, you know, I can just go with them uh, on, a, on a, a personal and uh, private uh, environment. So there are many that want to talk about this yet. But it's a, it's, a, it's an increasing problem. And it even leads to suicides, as I yeah. said before. So, and this is really dr- drastic.
0: Well, I can even, I can just think of like the medical student from his point of view, he's starting to see like all the stuff, the system he's about to be part of. And then um, school itself is very stressful too. And you right. know, it's just, you're not getting a lot of sleep. You're having to keep up with all your studies. And then you see like the forecast in the future of like Mm. what your career is coming to Mm. i can understand i can understand why you'd be stressed you know um and i think that we're coming america is definitely going to be coming to a nursing shortage and and i think we've already had a doctor shortage we're we're dealing with that now that's why so many nurses are going to school going back and being nurse practitioners to kind of fill in that gap and while I think that's great, I think, I think it's wonderful that we can we have that avenue to us, but at the same time, it just doesn't replace a physician who's been studying that for 10 years and practicing that while he's studying it. It doesn't fit that. If there was really a way for nurses to kind of have a... where we wouldn't have to go back to the beginning of school and we could kind of transition into being an MD... I Mm wish that would be a lot better. I think, Mm. but they just don't have anything like that here. Um, Otherwise, you'd have to start all over again if you Mm. wanted to be a medical. I think Kristen would do that (laughs) if she could. (laughs) But um,
1: yeah, it's increasing. So everybody's in this in this position. It's kind of like you know this this scenario is kind of like it's at the highest level. It's kind of like being uh, you know one in ten of athletes, but you know just pressured. Everybody's under pressure all the time. Yeah. So, and there's, there's, you know, the, the tools that are lacking, you know, within such a system is kind of like, um, being responsible for yourself again, because, you know, you cannot provide anything if you cannot take responsibility right. even at that, uh, at that time. So you have to be aware about that and, uh, take care of that for yourself first, because otherwise it, it just, everything breaks, uh, breaks down in a way.
0: Well, and I was thinking too, you know, um, When I was in, me and Kristen were in hospice together, Mm. um, and I was studying, you know, we had to do those classes for it, and I just, uh, one of the things I learned was that physicians don't really have an end of life, they don't have much training in end of life, and um, I would almost say they don't get a whole lot of training in, like, just the death experience. Right. So, if they had a patient that was, like, end of life, or let's say they're a surgeon, and they took care of a patient that passed away while they're doing surgery, that would be a very traumatic thing. And then imagine having a day like that and you come home and, you know, your wife or husband is, you know, has a laundry list of things that we need to get at the grocery store. The kids are screaming and yelling. You're you're done. I mean, you just, how can you be empathetic to them at that moment, you know? Exactly. So, and that is something that happens, you know, when you get into, when you work in a hospital, I would say... Death is something that you deal with almost a weekly basis, if not a daily. It depend depending on depending what field you're like. I worked in oncology, so that was that was a daily thing, I would say. And then we worked in hospice, and that was obviously a daily thing. Yeah. So you don't realize, though. I think I think I would say uh, for myself, when I would have a full day of hospice, and um, you know, I'm hearing stories and I'm seeing scenarios where, like, people's lives are, like, a thousand times harder than mine. I come home and I just want to be, like, everybody be grateful for everything. You know? right. <laughs> and then I have my right. kids fighting with each other over something that is just, you know, to me, just totally stupid. And my husband is worried about something that he saw on the television screen. And I'm like, really? You know, I just saw... Susie Beth out in Jellicoe and she's dying right now and her whole family depend on her for mm. financial and so when she dies they're not going to have anything so let's just shut up <laughs> that's what I want to be like take
1: a step back yeah <laughs> so but I the know. dynamics is is, diff- is a total different one I, I agree absolutely so they take you know they put themselves at the end of their priority list and all that so just to, to mm-hmm. keep everything up with and, and you know but at the end of the day uh, most medical professionals I talk with, you know, they came into this profession just, you know, they want to heal. They want to help people. Mm-hmm. So, but then, you know, reality kicks in and, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, okay, so what What? What to do about this? So this is really the, the yeah, it's happening. And
0: I would almost say too that, you know, I don't know about doctors. I can only speak for nurses, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my grandmother was an old school nurse mm-hmm. when she went to school. She went through a diploma program where she stayed in a dorm in the hospital, mm-hmm. and they did rounding every morning. They had to get up super early, get dressed, have breakfast together. They would follow nurses around the floor of the hospital, and they they had hands-on experience from the very beginning. Right, And I would say, and of course, back then, they didn't do all the same stuff that we do now, but I was thinking... I really think that even more so we need to do that now because we have so much that we have to be keep track of on, when we're in the hospital. It it's when you're coming out of nursing school and you're on the floor. It's like night and day. Everything you learn in the classroom is not going to be is not at all what it's like to really work on the floor. And those first few days when you it's like they always say that first day without your shadow is the is mm-hmm. like when everything is going to go wrong mm-hmm. and it happens it's like clockwork it happens to everybody it happens to everybody my yeah. first day alone i gave some guy demerol and he had an allergic reaction he started wheezing his face was all purple i mean i had to call you know the qrs code and everybody had to come in it was crazy mm-hmm. and it's like so it happens to every new nurse and um and,
1: and I, who did you go to after that <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nobody. You see, you just I, you just took it up with yourself. Yeah, right? that's true. So okay.
1: that's that's what you know what I, what I um what the anti-burnout system means essentially. You know, it t- all ties back uh, uh, into my own story. So, and uh, when I was twenty-eight, I was uh, burned out. So I was at the end of my rope. Um, I was sexually abused when I was ten, at the age of ten, I never told anybody, not even my parents. So. And I started to believe that I cannot feel. I used uh, alcohol, even drugs, but nothing worked. So there was just this hole inside of me that I couldn't fill. So that drove me, you know, after I lost everything, I was at the edge of a bridge. And, uh, you know, I can really imagine it like it was today. So it was a crystal clear winter night. So I looked up into the, star, uh, into the sky and I saw my breath, you know, because it was so cold. So it was bone chilling cold in that night. And I did let go. So i was leaning forward and something happened in that moment so it was really i saw a tiny little light inside of me and you know and then i felt it Mm -hmm. and then i felt something for the very first time after five years earlier my father died and Mm -hmm. i never cried so i cried a lot and you know this this emotion it was drawing me back so Mm -hmm. and i was safe for that moment so but what I realized in that moment is kind of like, you know, I realized that letting go is only um, 50% of the equation. So yeah. if, you, if you just only let go, you know, it would leave you in free fall. So what I understood and what is paramount here and what I, what I, what I help all my clients with is to understand letting go and letting in. Is the, uh, letting in is the, uh, is the other part of the equation. So only after I did let go on that bridge, I was able to feel and perceive something that was already there and waiting for me. But, I, you know, it's just kind of like sitting right under our noses, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, I can't see it. I can't feel it and, and anything. So and so this is what I discovered in that night. So that letting go and letting in is the, is the key and it's universal. It's happening all the time. But we're so focused on letting go. That we don't see the chance and opportunity that we have to, we have the opportunity to let in something that is already uh, waiting for us. So, so,
0: how would like for those our our listeners who are very like we make jokes, but it's kind of true. Like we're kind of on the autism spectrum, <laughs> so we're very like just be literal here. Like, what does that mean to let something in? Like when we're letting go, like what are we, what are we letting go of? I guess are we letting go of all of those? All those anxious feelings letting go of like all the letting out or is it like kind of like letting out all of those fears and things that we've had up in our
1: it goes even deeper so it, it's really about our belief system so what we believe so I what I found out at that moment was I, I started to believe until to I was at the edge of that bridge I cannot feel and I didn't feel anything I was numb mm-hmm. because of course not only the alcohol and uh, that I've taken in and the, and and the drugs. So, but um, there was nothing there because I never told. What was missed? The missing key was I, I. I never learned to trust. Yeah. Because of the abuse. Okay. So it goes really that deep, and I always work uh, on that deep level to help uh, my clients to, um, you know, not only identify their uh, their belief system. You know, the belief system is is kind of like develops your patterns in your life. So, and your mm-hmm. patterns in your life, they. Uh, they steer and develop your behavior, so when you want to change something in your life on the behavior level, you know there's always something you know from your past, you know that happened an extraordinary incident, where 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 you were confused or in my case I was uh, sexually abused and I created and I reacted to that, and started a belief, so I can feel, but in that moment my belief um, going back was I can't tell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: so and this stayed a lot longer so when you create these beliefs in your past in some capacity and we all have those so i'm not good enough I, I don't belong you know we all have these but they're very personal memories mm-hmm. so what i help my clients is to get access to that memory and when it started it's kind of like the first domino piece so to identify that what is that and then when we go there and we we i help them to let go of that belief that they created as a reaction without better knowing of course you know it's just a reaction reaction and you know when they get to this moment to to let go of that then i guide them through you know to let in something else that is already there that you know i don't know what happens at that moment and the client doesn't know it either because you know they most likely experience for the very first time something very emotional that's happening there yeah, I'm just getting goosebumps around that because it's really about the release of that uh, of those emotions in that moment, and then letting in something else, like new emotions that are there. So what else is there? It's more positive and hopeful, and this builds the foundation for them. So that's kind of like where the anti-burnout system kicks in, because of that universal <coughs> ability that we are not using. Because most most people, you know, they just know. Uh, oh, you have to let go at one point, but you know how does this work? Essentially, yeah, it's kind of like where your yeah. passion is heading. It so so because this is something I discovered at the edge of that bridge, and and you know, uh, t- uh, 25 years later, I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm doing this on a daily basis with my clients. I, I'm gonna help them to identify their core beliefs that um, make them you know keeping them away from achieving having, and you know it takes a lot of energy. So why
0: I wasn't sorry Sorry. to interrupt you. Um, I was thinking, what is it? What is the most common thing that you think from, like a surgeon or nurse or paramedic, even like what would be a common thing that they're like, they're just not. Like you said, you couldn't feel anything. What is it? Or you couldn't trust anybody to tell them about what was happening to you or what happened to you as a child. What would you say like a health professional would be. It's and, you
1: know, cannot, uh, this is a tough question to answer because it, uh, it's unique to mm-hmm. each and every one of us. So, so that's where I, why I work only one-on-one with my clients because, you know, this is always a personalized solution. So I really go with them to that point where right. we both discover what it is. So I have, of course, uh, developed this method to, to, to get there, this process, so they can identify these elephant thinkings, as I call them. <laughs> and so it's really uh, when they conditioned themselves. And so we are on, a, on an elephant thinking hunt first and identify mm-hmm. the core, the, the, the very first one. We go back in, the, in their history to identify the first one. And then, you know, when they let go and let in in that session, you know, it's kind of like a ripple effect. But mm-hmm. I never know. It's just an example. So, uh, you know, we all have those. But it's not like, you know, you read in the books, in self-help books. You know, it's, it's, it go, goes really to them personally. It means something what only they told themselves. Some some clients they have w- who are more tangible, who are more kinesthetic f- uh, from uh, from their per- personality. They Sometimes they, they run out of a room. They feel pressured. You know, it depends. So it, it's really a personalized work that I'm doing. And it's kind of like being a detective and and, and helping them understand what's going on with them so they can for sometimes really the very first time articulate it being able to articulate it and and put it out there And, and then we have something we can work on so therefore, there's no 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 strict answer. Yeah. most, you know, uh, medical professional only uh, believe that they're not good enough. So that's not how it works. So it's
0: it, not always the same. It's not always yeah. the same. So
1: it's really unique and personal to to each and every one. So
0: yeah, yeah, I was just thinking because the reason why I asked that because I was like, you know, I wonder if it's like because I think when I was thinking of you know, I know a lot of us nurses. We have I feel like. When you work in the hospital, <laughs> mm-hmm. you deal, you get traumatized almost every shift, some in some way, because something really is like tra- traumatic happening sometimes. And I was thinking, like, you know. <sighs> sometimes I just when I come home I just don't even want to think about it anymore exactly you know? but
1: this is this is where the letting in part comes yeah. comes into play because you have no rental to, to, to let you know to, first you, you have no, no, no process for, the, for yourself internally because nobody taught you that yeah. so, so therefore what I do is really help my clients to understand this on a daily basis so they can implement it in their daily life so then mm-hmm. you have a better energy management and you can make better decisions and be prepared in that case so you know exactly when something is happening That is also personally attached to yourself. That you can just release it and let in something else that is waiting for you. That gives you more energy. So I'm standing for energizing results. So that means in that moment, it's all about liberating Mm -hmm. your vitality. So and and having access to that energy again, because you know when you when 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 all the energy is uh, you know conditioned around your elephant thinking, you know you know that is where the fifty percent is is wasted. So when you when you're capable of letting go and letting in consciously, you know you instantly have fifty percent more access to energy.
0: Yeah. So how how yes. do you let go? So how would if you don't have a therapist or you don't have Uva sitting in the living room with you? Who? How do you let go of all that stuff from the day that you that you're pro, you, you just, it's, that you really prefer to just shove in? It's somewhere? a big question. It's a big
1: question. <laughs> it's a good question. So the thing is, you know, of course, you know we have you know it's kind of like in the line of my work so um um it's very individualized it's really um you know each and everyone use it uh, use this in a different way so there is no general way what the, the essential concept is is letting go so it's kind of like you feel something is blocking you and you know what it is you know we find out what it is then you understand okay this is elephant thinking this is where Mm -hmm. the elephant thinking comes into play because it's it's visual also oh there's an elephant here so i let go of the elephant and let in something else and of course with sessions you know they learn what to replace it with so i give them the opportunity they so they can achieve and see and feel something Mm -hmm. that they can use i always come out with something that we created during a session, so it's very personalized. So I kind of give you a general answer to that. So that would, you know, would okay. be would be like you know.
0: So maybe nothing.
1: It, it, it doesn't work. So, it, so that's also the reason why self-help books only work so far, yeah. <laughs> because it's kind of like so. Oh, here it is. So that's the answer to all, to all the problems because you are a unique personality and you have your own experiences. So it really uh, is tied back to your history.
0: So for me, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, I just dealt with. Let's say I just had a. I was in the hospital, and one of my patients passed away, mm. and it was we'd done CPR on him, and you know we just couldn't bring him back. So, you know, I'm I'm getting off shift, and I'm just you know I'm not feeling anything at all because
1: you're numb. Yeah, you mm. know,
0: you just become the yeah. Well,
1: a good a good access point is always. Um, to center yourself in a way to, to start with, what am I grateful for? So okay. what do I have? So to focus on that first and see, so, uh, you know, and, and get uh, back into, you know, to feel. If you can't feel it, you can't perceive it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's because sometimes people are uh, stuck in their heads. So there's no solution in the head. So it's kind of like, you know, yes. when you're just uh, in your head, you know, you always come to conclusions. But you know, the first thing is when you feel it and perceive it, when you get into the emotional level, then you get into action. And then you can actually do something about yourself. So, okay. and this is also part of uh, what I help with is so you have access to your own emotions, to kind of like all the emotions there are and process them in a way so you can use these emotions uh, for doing good because they're not only these bad emotions inside of you at the same time when something tragic is happening you know like coming back to my example Mm -hmm. uh, on the edge of that bridge you know it's kind of like i let i wanted to yeah let go of my life yeah so you know and only then I felt something else, and it just reminded me, hey, I haven't cried for, for, uh, yeah. about my dad. So in release through the tears and everything, I made a promise to myself on that bridge. and this promise was uh, that I will live a life with all the emotions there are. I allowed myself mm-hmm. to uh, live a life with all the emotions there are, no matter what happens. and uh, I'm still keeping this promise today. So and on that level, this is what I helped my clients was to 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 give them, you know, an advice, a promise to themselves, allowing themselves what they already experienced when they work with me together. So when they experience their, the I call them the core elephant, you know, the, the very first domino yeah. piece. When they uh, let go of that and let in something else, you know, then they experience something new. And based on that experience, that will create a new foundation in their life so they can always fall back on this new positive experience that they had. Mm-hmm. So and this makes it so powerful because you know, it's, it, that is actually how transformation works. <laughs> so you really understand, oh, I can program myself. And then you know, being responsible for yourself is kind of like you know, getting out of all these dependent making things. I did yeah. with, with, with alcohol and drugs and uh, allowing yourself to become independent
0: mm-hmm.
1: and really tap into that feeling of oh I'm free I can f- uh, have free will and choice
0: so in my so in my scenario this nurse is driving home having yeah. you know a patient had died it was a pretty stressful shift and now they have to go home to their husband and kids and you know what? It, what is the drive home? What should that yeah. self talk be? Should it be like, okay, this was, uh-huh. this was, this was a person that just passed away. Their, you know, their family's going to miss them. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I should feel lucky that I get to go home and see yeah. my kids. Is that kind of the self talk you're thinking of, or?
1: Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's it,
0: like it's allowing else? you to process what just happened, but also.
1: Yeah, it's really you know. Yeah. What often happens is that, um, no matter if it's then, it just comes up uh, an example with a, with a dentist and a uh, family. So it's kind of like, you know, what is your identity um, when you are at work? So of course you are, the, you are the medical professional in any way. So, but there are some things that are more personal to yourself and goes deeper. So I always do, sometimes do with them is kind of like, okay, so what is this personality that you fulfill when you're at work? and then you know there's this transition of of coming home so mm-hmm. that means okay so internally you know um letting go of that persona and allowing you know to let in oh now i want to come home as the father mm-hmm. of my family yeah and you know just allowing yourself to feel that energy and uh, getting into in, into this other role yeah and this other identity so because sometimes, or most of the times, you know, you know, they're still the provider <laughs> and still the, the medical professional at home, yeah. but not the father or, 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 or the mother in, in, in other cases. So, mm-hmm. so it's really about making this transition and helping them to understand, so, okay, let go of that here, entering something new, allow myself, okay, fully go and uh, tap into that role as, uh, as, uh, as a member of the family
0: yeah i, I was going to say yeah. like as you're saying all of that like uh, i've heard a lot of doctors um you know talk about how their wife hates how much they have to work and when they come home they're just
1: it's just yeah
0: they're either like whatever i want to sit on the couch and just ve- just veg out for a minute or um another scenario that happens a lot is i especially with surgeons i i, I could be wrong um a lot of them have high divorce rates nurses have high divorce rates too by the way yeah uh it's hard for a husband to not see his wife for three days (laughs) so um i was thinking like what you're doing is kind of important because you're putting the focus back on the family because those careers uh, generally have pretty hard if they're not divorced their their relationships are strained for sure
1: absolutely i helped them to divorce proof their marriage Essentially, that's what I do because many come to me because of that, because there's, there's, there's often this, you know, and it's also sometimes it's a a generational thing. Mm -hmm. So because um, many dentists in in that uh, that regard, you know, they take over the practice from, from the, uh, from their parents. And so it's a family business uh, uh, mostly. And uh, so, and, you know, sometimes in in the, you know, I have one case there. there's, uh, uh, this one dentist, you know, uh, his, his father was a psychiatrist and uh, so they got, uh, when they got uh, promoted and, and uh, they have all this supervision, but not the, the, um, his wife in that regard so you know and chief has this feeling of falling back coming back to the beginning feeling abandoned you know and all yeah. this things. so they got divorced at the end of oh, the day. so, so and so and you know and this dances then said oh I don't want to go the same route as my father did so this yeah. was one of the reasons he came to me and said well, you know I really want to do you know as I said divorce proof uh, my family and you know there's also this other aspect because of these fa- uh, generational patterns that uh, exist you know, from generation to to the next generation. Um, What I help with is so, you know, families can really start to live their their dream life and relationship without scarring their children. Right. Because that is the most important piece here. (laughs) Because, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're all coming home and at one point, you know, they realize and they realize it's about our marriage at one point and and most of the time it's uh, it's uh, the wife that makes the decision and say no no, no i i'm, I'm uh, i don't want this any longer yeah but of course um if it, in that case uh, it's uh, it's the husband you know they they feel that already and they see oh, oh this is uh, it's not gonna work out so that's kind of like the dynamics um but it's not so often spoken about so and this is where I actually help and can help
0: yeah, it's hard. I think it. I can imagine that it's hard for the spouse because especially if your husband is a, you know, a doctor or surgeon, um, like I know uh, a nurse who worked, she works part time and her husband was an oral surgeon and he was always working. She would have to plan everything. Like, that's why she worked part time because even though her kids were old enough to be in school and all that, right? she still had to like plan every little thing. So, if they went on vacation, they wouldn't go on vacation unless she planned it, because he had no time to even think do about that. Do
1: anything, yeah, I get it.
0: So, it was basically like, if he got the time off, she had to plan all of it, and then he could just enjoy it, and that was, that was the, it worked out for them. They had an, they had an understanding, I think, but she was a nurse, so maybe that was, she, Maybe that was helping? Yeah, that, <laughs> she has first-hand knowledge of what he had to do, so. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh,
1: but most most of them are not in the same yeah. same field, so that, that's that's rare. So that, no, that's true. So there there are you know sometimes it's really about you know getting back to the relationship that you really dreamed of when you when, yes. you, when you met each other, you know. And so and this is where I help them. So it's really you know I don't coach them together. I always coach them separately so that they can catch up with their own dependencies you know and getting more being more independent and you know then there's the next level to actually go and be interdependent you know when you freely um, accept that you know your partner is independent you can support him uh, and ask for support but it's on on a respectful eye to eye level Mm-hmm. So it's not like in these other dynamics where, of course, in most relationships, one, part, uh, one partner is more dependent on the other yeah. in some way, and so I'm not a counselor, so I don't do that uh, with them together, but what I do and what they love is, you know, after I coach them separately, I bring it together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, you know, they realize, oh, this is why you're doing that, and they understand it from their perspective, so they get really to know each other on a deeper level yeah which brings them together which ultimately leads uh, to to protect their family again and Mm -hmm. their children Mm -hmm. so this is what what happens and what fulfills me with with all my heart because that's uh, as I said earlier my my mom died uh, six days before Christmas in 2016 and so it was for me She's the last member of my 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 family so and uh, I you know but it, you know, it's it's. I had the chance to 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 take care of her for the for for the last two years, and uh, so at the end, it's it's like she she brought me into this world, and I was there for her when you know holding her hands when she left. So yeah. So I'm really passionate about helping uh, families. Yeah. And inspire each and every one so that they shouldn't give up.
0: Yeah, I think. Um one of the things that uh, I was trying to explain this to my husband when he would tell, him, like, he's like, "Why do you just pick the most depressing jobs? <laughs> like, why don't you just work in OB or something like that?" And I was like, "Well, that can be really depressing because now you're talking about a baby. If something right. goes wrong with a baby, that is like really depressing." Right. But um, I was I I was just kind of explaining to him about how death is it's like it doesn't have to be like a sad thing it can be like a really beautiful thing because you see all these people coming together for this one person to celebrate all their time that they have with that person it is almost like watching a baby being born and it's creating memories yeah
1: i think uh, because
0: the and i mean i'm lucky i'm i feel blessed because mm. i've seen babies born i've seen people pass away so i've seen the whole circle of life and i feel like Um, it's a lot like this is, I think when you're doing this kind of work, it's not something that you see, it's not just your job, I guess, you know? And so that's what I was trying to explain to him. It's like, I would never be a good librarian. (laughs) I would never be (laughs) a good, you know, plumber. I just have to have something that means something. That means something to you. And that may be why you pick this career, that you absolutely. were destined to do this career because it helps you feel a lot. Absolutely, you know?
1: you're absolutely right.
0: It opened that 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 opened that whole world up for you. But um, another thing I was wanting to touch on because we were kind of talking about this before we recorded is your concept, like your you say that you really think personal responsibility is an important thing that people need to have, and that's something that those of us who are in the uh, libertarian Va- voluntarism, you know, movement, that's a big key to what we talk about. Because, you know, if we don't have government saying, you know, okay, we'll do this for you. You know, we'll do that for you. You have, the next thing is, well, if you don't have any money, you have to do it. You have to figure out how to get it. Or you have you, to provide for yourself. Exactly. But it's not just about I think your your thing is not just about how to get like your basic needs. I mean it's about how to get your emotional needs and it's about needs.
1: living a fulfilling life. So it's really you know it's really about energy at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't be responsible for yourself if you don't have access to all the energy there is in you because right. when 50 percent is blocked and trapped in elephant thinking or you know your old patterns you that you're repeating over and over again yes. leading and driving you closer and closer to burnout that's not a fulfilling life so yes. in, in my understanding from my experience you know you know you know t- talking about burnout means like I say it's a scale always. It's a scale from on the one side you have burnout, on the other side you have brilliance. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's a decision and it's your responsibility to choose which path you want to be on. So right. and that means also, t- you know, having not only access to all the energy there is, but also through this energy, being able to make this, these kinds of decisions and being responsible for yourself Mm-hmm. But then also, of course, for your family, for, 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 your, for your kids, and for your community. Mm-hmm. So I think that is kind of like where, where, where I stand, where, why, why I'm so passionate about this. Because it's really about, you know, it, it always comes down to, to the energy level. So if you don't have to feel the energy coming home from work, you know, and you just want to f- see nothing, you know, yeah. that's not energy. Yeah. It's kind of like avoiding. You're not really something. living. You're not really living yeah. exactly.
0: So I was thinking um, that's a that's kind of the thing is that I think we get stuck and it's not just health professionals but those of us in any kind of stressful right. job. Um, you know, we just go to work and this is an American thing. I don't know how people in Germany th- feel about th- about all this, um, but it's definitely like we're very work focused and we just like we're good as long as we make our, you know, get our money at the end of the week or the end of the, the bi-week, whatever. And, you know, we we want to just be able to pay our bills. And some of us, you know, we already spend our paycheck when we get it. We don't think that far ahead. We're just kind of like living in the moment. Um, but we're not really thinking like, and I'm just thinking in general. And, of course, I'm sure there's a listener out there somewhere who probably disagrees with me. But... We're not really thinking of like on down the road, you know, like what impact am I leaving for my kids or what impact am I leaving for the generation behind me. In fact, we, have, I don't know if this is like a, mo- like in every movement, but I know in the libertarian movement, we have like the boomers and the millennials are always fighting with each other. And uh, like we have this intergenerational type.
1: That's, that's the, the fight. Truth but well, there, there are two things to that so the, the one thing is of course there's uh, always a generational aspect to it so and i was addressing earlier um you know breaking these generational conflicts is also part of family work at the end yeah. of the day because it starts all in the family so this is where it starts of course that's society and where you grew up in and 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 everything else comes uh, comes again to it so but uh, this is the one side and the other side is that um, you know, when you, you were touching on, um, sorry, I just lost, what's <laughs> <laughs> the other thing? Um, okay. Uh, For, I, I, I come can't back. remember now. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Oh, good.
0: But I guess, um, one of the things that is a big part of the liberty movement is, you know, if we're not going to be dependent on the government, like we have to, mm-hmm. We ourselves now have to sort of live our life where we're not, you know, like we won't take student loans for going Mm -hmm. to college. Um, We might do something, if we can't afford college, we might do like an internship for free for a company or something like that. Like we we try to live our standards, Mm -hmm. you know, loosely as much as we can. Um, Of course, we still have to drive on the roads and we go to public parks. Like there's things that you just, you know, you can't Mm -hmm. avoid, but... Um, the, I feel like what we're seeing a lot today is, um, maybe not the millennials so much anymore, like maybe the, the next generation below them now, we're seeing kids who have never known what it's like without internet or, or smartphones. So they don't know what it's like to have to actually look up information and not, and maybe even go like ask themselves a question and say, when I get home, I'll look it up. <laughs> or even like wait to talk to somebody like they're you know you have to go the, home and call that person instead of text yeah. them like there's just a lot of like this gap of you know they're just so immediately gratified and they don't know what it is to wait for things and on top of that I feel like they're they're more likely to be triggered and stressed out by things that we would not be stressed out by you know
1: well but, um, i'm just remembering what my second point oh, was okay. so, but it, it, it ties uh, directly to to what you were saying so there is of course because of these f- uh, family patterns so and this is what what goes back into the past but you know just going back to the family aspect of things means like so if you strengthen uh, so what i do and what i see my role is is to strengthen the family so they can when they grow older they can leave legacies to mm-hmm. their children so and i think this these kinds of uh, conversations are not happening enough at this moment in time because yeah. we're all numb or at the edge of burnout because of what we just were talking about so and breaking these cycles and bringing back you know kind of like a healthy understanding of how we want to live our lives Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: whatever you choose it's uh, it's free so that is what it means at the end of the day it's all coming back to the energy but it's also coming back to having Creating legacy and listening as as the as the as the younger generation having um, people who already uh, living a fulfilling life and not living a numb life or mm-hmm. at the edge of burnout. So if if that's you know the thing that you know millennials and all that did see, then of course they come to another conclusion and say no, I don't want to live it like that. Mm-hmm. It's just normal. So you know, being some being also responsible for your family to show. Um, this responsibility for your family means like okay what can I do right so what can I do here to create an environment for my kids so they can grow up and see myself you know as I uh, creating a legacy for them that they can take freely or you know whatever they choose so but I think it's, it's going uh, this is the, the broader aspect or the, the long-term aspect that um, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for and I'm hoping for that we will, uh, will achieve
0: I think one of the things that I really am trying to get across to my kids is that it's okay to say you're sorry. Mm. You know, like, it's okay to admit you messed up. It's okay. Like, I think that's a really hard one for a lot of us, and that's not just for kids. But I think if I can get it across to my kids early, Mm. because the faster you can admit that you made a mistake, the faster you can fix the problem.
1: You just said what i call letting go and letting <laughs> okay. in okay there all right well, we it's a different way of saying it it's a it. different way of saying it but yeah. underneath it's always about if the sooner you come you let go being part of the problem yes and allow yourself to be part of the solution mm-hmm. you know the better it is so that's yeah. just the underlying thing so that's one of the things mm-hmm.
0: like that me and my husband kind of struggle with a little bit because he he like If I mess up with the kids, like if I yelled at my kids too much or something because of something that I was stressed out over somewhere else, I'll sit them down and I'll apologize to them. And he's like, why are you doing that? Um, It's just something that he never grew up with. Mm. So it's just totally bizarre for him to watch me do that. I I, I never grew up with that, actually. But I don't know. I just thought I would have... When I was a kid, I really wish my mom and dad would have just said, hey... I'm sorry, I yelled there you at you. Go. Yeah, you know, I was just stressed out about blah blah blah. It had nothing to do with you. Um,
1: so you've chosen not yeah. to repeat the family patterns. And the thing is, right. the
0: reason why I have to do that is because, like you, like you know, we were just talking about. I have a very stressful job. You know, and you know, it's it's hard not to come home irritated. I mean, it could be something that happened like a month ago, and then right. all of a sudden the right things happen and i am like going exactly, off exactly um and i just have that personality too where it's like you know what i'm just going to tell you what i think right now i'm not going to you know so um i have to I have to apologize to my kids i try to apologize to my husband but i'm not as good at that <laughs> but i'm getting there i'm trying but um i feel like if i can model that for my kids when they grow up mm they'll be a lot less stressed out because i mean i think about how how hard it is to just admit that it, that you're wrong about something you know it's like such an ego thing that you just have to get past it's almost a painful thing to look at yourself and be like oh yeah mm. i was totally wrong to act that way or
1: yeah be, the, i've
0: been like this for set, so many years yeah. why did i do that and it can be a very painful process but when you like you just said um when I was able to finally look back at some of the things I was doing and the ways that I was just like not dealing with my stress, it was almost like a freeing experience because I was like, okay, like I have that burden off my back now.
1: And here we go. This is, this is a, most of my clients at the beginning, they, they, they have to the fear of, so what does this mean letting in something else? So it's kind of like, so can it be worse or how does it feel like? And so they're afraid of it and so, and you know what? Um, none of my clients never complain because it's so much easier Mm -hmm. just being part of the solution not being part of the problem as we had before it's about letting in something else and it means it's lighter it's like you said you just let go of the ballast and all the blockages and all that in that moment but also you know on a deeper level what happened in your life to yourself so just let go of that and be able to live something else that yeah. is uh, that is there and it makes it much light lighter and and more fun and it's more joyful also you know and you know i, I love the word self-propelled so being self-propelled and in contact mm-hmm. with your energy uh, that's kind of like the life um i work on with my clients for.
0: i was just thinking too people like that who are can you imagine just like how easy that person would be to talk to and just when you know that you're safe, like I feel like that makes my kids feel safer with me. Yes. You know, When they see me admit that I messed up, then they feel safer to say, okay, I messed I, up. Absolutely. I so agree. when you're in a relationship with somebody and you're able to do that, then, you know. Well,
1: you know, the kids, you know, they, they all, they absorb everything. So right. at, at a very young age, they absorb everything and all the, the atmosphere so and uh, you know you create an environment for your kids and that's your responsibility also that you create for your kids so in that regard uh, all the the context that uh, kids grow up in that's kind of like what i was referring to you know you don't want to scar your children in a way but you do automatically yeah. without knowing better <laughs> right. so okay you're gonna
0: do something you're, you're gonna like do something not.
1: with them so but it's, it's it's okay but if you if you're more conscious about um your own life and uh, what you do here and uh, you actually understand oh this is why I'm doing it so when I understand it oh I can change it Mm -hmm. I can let go of it and I can do something else so that's what it means so it's really on a deeper level not on the surface level just like okay being able to steer me through my daily life and work so Mm -hmm. it's really on a deeper level having that uh, you know I call I call it always this, this, this inner certainty Mm -hmm. to get to a point where you feel absolutely certain about yourself yes and then automatically you are more aligned to yourself you're more authentic you are you feel safe
0: are you familiar with jordan peterson no okay one of the things that he talks about is that the the person who can't acknowledge the evil inside of himself is a very dangerous person but the more that you're able to see that you have this potential to be in an evil, quote unquote, person, the better you're going to be about controlling yourself because you're more aware of, of it. So I think that that's kind of what we're saying in a sense is that you're, you're real with yourself. You know that you aren't perfect and that you have like everybody has these tendencies towards certain things. Of course, things. we all have those um so, so if, if you
1: understand better what what's internally yeah. happening at the at the end of the day uh, the, the the more you can get in control of it so the more you yeah. can can let go of things that you, you you're wondering why i'm just keeping that up so that's because when you never know what it is actually, uh, actually you will never get to the point to to let it go you will just repeat it over and over again so yeah that's what, what it's happened so yeah i would agree with that
0: now, I was going to ask you a cultural question because okay. we know you're from Germany. Yes. So, um, my cousin is married to a German, and she always okay. says that Germans will just tell you straight up what's going on, like what they think. Because mm-hmm. we are from the South, me and my cousin are from here, from Tennessee, mm-hmm. and everybody just kind of sugarcoats everything. And wherever, you know, people are pretty passive aggressive, and so they're not very direct. Um, Is that pretty much true of all of Germany? Or is it also kind of like it is here in America where it's like it just depends on if you're Uh, born in certain uh, areas?
1: No, it's it's interesting. Let me tell you something. Um, There's um, a a peer of mine, you know, I met in a a mentorship program. Uh, She uh, uh, became an expat and went to Mexico. She's from Germany. And uh, so they were were sitting in a training, you know, before they uh, moved to Mexico. And they were told, so, okay, North America, South America, so, and the differences between Germany and the cultures, uh, it, it all comes down to this. So just imagine, you know, North America, South America, is, uh, you know, people there, they are like peaches, you know, from the outside, they're juicy, you know, mm-hmm. you love it, they're sweet, but they have a tough core mm-hmm. in it. So, and compared to that, the Germans are more like coconuts. <laughs>
0: Yeah. They're tough on the
1: outside. yeah. But, but if you crack the, the, the surface, you know, if you crack the coconut, it's mm-hmm. juice inside which is just sweet and all that. So I kind of like answer the, this question with that. So, and I think to a point it's true. Of course, I'm German and I'm, I'm thorough. So yes. that's kind of like where, where I'm standing <laughs> with that.
0: I just remember um, my cousin would tell me like, Alles ist nicht in Ordnung. Yeah, you know, she would always say that was like the phrase. It's, it's not in order. Like that's when yeah. that's when her husband would lose it, and he had to like go for a walk, you know, or yeah, something. Yeah. He had to take the dogs for a walk because he needed a break.
1: It's it's not in order. Yeah, so it's not because yeah. my
0: cousin is like, she's great, but she is all over the place. Right, you know. So um, she'll start things and then start another thing. She'll get it all done. You just have to give her the time to do it. Right. She, she's very thorough too in her own way, right. but he, it's not the way he does it. So it's like, it is very stressful for him. And then on top of that, like when he when they got married, he came to America and he joined the military and that was like the best thing for him because mm. he needed all of that.
1: Structure. Yeah, he, yeah.
0: He, that is like his, that thrived for him. No, that's um, true.
1: Germans like to get things done. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> <kind of> like <laughs> I always, I always wondered if that was just like a stereotype or if that was some truth to that. But
1: no, there is some cultural truth to it. <laughs> I
0: guess. What do you think is the hardest thing about for a German when they come to America?
1: That's a tough. Or does question. it matter?
0: Or does it depend on the region in America? Because
1: yeah, also, well, you know, I'm, I'm involved in uh yeah i have international clients i have clients in the u.s so therefore i'm i'm most on the on the u.s side (laughs) of know things sometimes Mm -hmm. what's the toughest thing for german that's a good question Uh, it depends but i guess it's uh, Sometimes because I think, you know, it's just on the surface, it's kind of like, oh, why is everything so big? Yeah. So why why has to be everything <laughs> so big size? So it's kind of like when you come to Germany, you have smaller sized stuff, size, you have smaller cars. Well, mm-hmm. now, they're, OK, the SUVs, you know, uh, are taking over the whole world in a way. Uh, so cars are getting bigger and bigger. Uh, but um, I think that's just from on a, a superficial uh, place. But on a deeper level, maybe, I don't know, it's... Um, I'm spoiled. I love America, so therefore i oh, okay. <laughs> <so. laughs> I always
0: wondered because um, you know, when I I've actually had, as weird as it is in East Tennessee, there's like, we have German expatriate, we have like yes. a, quite a bit, a lot. Um, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. so I was just thinking like one of the things I heard was that there's a, like Americans care a lot about um, consumerism. Like there was a lot of consumerism going on we shop we shop a lot yeah um and uh what else i was thinking maybe that's really the the gist of it like because you kind of touched on that like we always want the biggest house we want the biggest car or the most flashiest thing and i just remember listening to um this guy i was listening to an interview of this guy from east berlin and he was talking about how like in east berlin they had the sweetest strawberries because they didn't you know, they were grown naturally and right. they were, even though they were smaller, they tasted better than the ones in West Germany. Mm. You know, and I was thinking that's kind of the mentality, I think, but not of just Germans. Maybe of most Europeans, they they more value like the, I don't know, the realness of things. And Americans do, we like to, we're like, okay, let's take on a grand scale. Like Let's take this thing and make it.
1: When, blah, blah, I, when, I, when you talk about this, you know, there come a lot of uh, examples that uh, I just compared in my head that I I love about America and not luck. I love about <laughs> Germany. So there there are a couple of things. I'm all, I'm leaning towards the Americans because uh, sometimes uh, I'm not in that regard. Maybe I'm not that too German. So but <laughs> so but I always it was open uh, open minded in in that regard. So I think in in Germany, let's say it's. Uh, Let's have an example, you know, when when it's about uh, your children, because in, in America, I have the feeling it's, it's, uh, they're really the center of uh, of a family, so when, and they, they are juicier and sweeter, mm-hmm. you know, with, with their kids, So in, and sometimes I'm missing that in Germany. So oh really? Is, yeah. It's, okay. it's really something that um, is I Is that like a,
0: have you seen that, like you feel like that's always kind of been like a thing in Germany? It, it, it's newer. different
1: how you approach them so it's really like you know making them the center is is one piece of it but you know just being uh, open and and heart heartfelt with them so i think that's kind of like the truth and uh, as you were saying earlier this this example so this has to be in order so yeah. kind of thing so having the structure so it's kind of like you know Just going over these emotions sometimes, so I have sometimes the feeling so that's uh, really juicier handled in the United States than in Germany So I give it that
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like um, my cousin's husband was always I think that they said that when he was little He loved babies so much like he had a baby sister. Yeah, he loved her so much that they actually got him a Baby carriage and stuff, but no I'm right. just, and now he drives Harleys and all, the, and all has right, like Bull right. Terrier dogs, and you would never think that yeah, that yeah. guy had like a baby carriage when yeah, he was a baby. Yeah. But when you, but when he sees like little kids, like he yeah, loves little kids absolutely. Yeah. And so I always thought, like, I guess Germans just love kids.
1: Yeah, the, the, you know, it's, it, I'm not saying Germans don't love kids, but it's yeah. kind of like you know, sometimes it's just in the in the in the details and the nuances how. How I experience sometimes, and uh, I think, of course, um, in America the difference is also, you know, uh, if there's a if there's something, there's a problem. Oh, let's make it happen. Yeah, that's true. So let's just get to it. So in Germany it would be like, so oh wait 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 wait, we have to figure this out first. What is the what is what's all involved? <laughs> yeah, you know, being more uh, strategic, take a step back and look at it, and also let's just take. Uh, which takes a lot of time, so that's kind of like that's, you know, that's the negative side. You just described
0: my cousin and my and her oh, husband just now, because that's exactly how she is. She's like, okay, we have a problem. All right, no problem. We'll fix it right now. We'll have it. We'll just sit down and we'll yes. talk about everything, and then yes. by the end of it, we'll have it all figured out. <laughs> and he's okay. like, really, we can we just like wait a minute and we'll slow down.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but that's true, and I feel like the American idea and maybe the consumerism. It gets a lot of bad rap, I think, from a lot of people because we are we are very consumer driven. I'm not gonna lie, you know, we think about. I mean, we have a new iPhone that comes out every year. and we always have new model cars that come out every year. Like we always have to have like a new thing. But I also think that part of that too, it the good thing, the good side of the consumerism is that it's consumer driven. So it's not so you. You're as more the, conscious in, about it. So you, you get to decide yeah. for yourself. You, it's a voluntary decision that you make to be part of it or not.
1: Well, that's an advantage also that you have that uh, in Germany we don't have so much about this consciousness to, uh, you know, you can drive, you know, the consumerism in a way that, uh, you know, you can just not buy there Mm -hmm. or or buy these things, you know, because it's a choice that you can make. So, and sometimes it's kind of like got lost in Germany, that consciousness about that. So I think there's also a little difference in, uh, in that. And so... Of course, Germans, uh, you know, blame you for, you know, just being over, yeah. <laughs> overly con- consumer-oriented, yes. but uh, at the end of the day, it's what, you know, always comes over to Europe and also to Germany, of course, what we learned after uh, World War II, of course, you know, uh, we kind of, like, took everything over, and uh, I grew up in that environment, in a way, mm-hmm. so I, I understand this very well, so... Yeah, I think, but at, at one point, of course, you know, it's, it's kind of like when it also touches on the global aspect of things now, so that we have uh, these uh, one year cycles, you know, that weren't possible uh, even five or seven years ago with iPhones or whatever. Yeah. You know, just, you know, on that scale, you know, uh, to deliver. That's kind of like what uh, you know the world as as a whole has become also the place to yeah uh, to to do that in a way, yeah
0: yeah, I think you know part of our consumerism is you know it's spread throughout all of the world because I mean, like a lot of our manufacturing is done in China still, right I think about how like that impacts in China, impacts China's economy and the way that the young Chinese people are kind of living their life, you know. Besides coronavirus, like, well, wow, you know. okay, that's a totally different yeah, discussion. Now, but... but you know, China has changed a lot. Like my husband went to China back in 2010, or maybe, yeah, 2010. He went to China, and the China then is completely different it's now. It's booming, there. because yeah, yeah every, they yeah. they've built they've built more things. They've had more um, economic success since then. And the lot li- like that has changed the lifestyles of the of young course. people in China. So there's, there's like this generate, like they're having the same thing that we have in America, but on a bigger scale, like right. their grandparents lived in a much different China than the, than their grandkids are living in now. Absolutely. Yeah. Their grandparents had to deal with a lot more hardship than the kids today. And they, they're having a harder time understanding each other because of that big gap of just how they live their mm-hmm. life. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I just think, you know, that we pretty much create, kind of started that really, cause we didn't want to, we didn't want to pay for all the manufacturing in our country. So we did it over there. And now I'm wondering how it's all, and now that we, coronavirus has, it all comes to a halt. Yeah. now time. it's all kind of stopped. So I don't know what's going to happen, what the next step is, but one thing you did mention too was, um we're not in an industrial age anymore really no. we're moving into a more technological age
1: it's a digital age yeah. so it's definitely since 20 years it's happening and uh, many are not prepared for that because it's uh, it's still stuck in the industrial age thinking mm-hmm. so industries are still stuck in that regard so there's of course um, there's huge change going on and um, I think it, this is
0: gonna force a change the way we're doing things we're Be- just at the
1: beginning yeah. of it so and and but you know on a personal level on on the kitchen table that means like oh why, why is this happening so fast everything so we, we live in exponential times because the you know what we just mentioned the delivery of an iphone every year a new iphone every year that means that it's exponentially driven now. And we have these changes quicker and faster on a global scale. Yes. And that just came to a halt, by the way. So, yeah, of course, yeah. I think it's kind of like a good break. <laughs> in and maybe a way, that's what we but, need. Yeah.
0: Because um, I think, you know, I was thinking too, I was like, um, the thing about China that really is kind of sad is that they do have such a high rate of pollution and stuff because of the manufacturing. And maybe... Well, you Maybe, know, just may- look
1: back in the seventies, eighties in yeah. the United States. You know, there were all over the world. Maybe we do
0: need to find a better way to do things, yeah. and this will kind of force it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. But
1: you know, th- these are cha- the the thing is that uh, these are changing times. We're living in 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 times that we haven't experienced for more than uh, one hundred and fifty years. So the last time something like this happened was when the uh, when when it came fr- when when the industrial age was born you know mm-hmm. and so and, you know going from craftsmanship to the industrial age that was a similar change that is happening right now yeah. but there are no more people living or alive that can tell us how they felt how it was yeah <laughs> when this when this ha- uh, changed so therefore we are kind of like uh, stumbling into it and i of course and uh, on a on a a different level. You can call this a paradigm shift. You know, new rules are cre- are created. So that's what a, parad- a paradigm shift at the end means. So we we we're, we're in transition. So you know, if you don't, and and again, coming back to my 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 topic is about letting go of the old and letting and yeah. something new. So yeah. that's what we need to learn. So and that's also why why so many uh, are challenged by it and uh, are struggling or. Or even worse, so because you know they have not haven't found a way in dealing with that because it's always more, 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 more. And it's like, okay, can we have a break? Can we have a stop? Something and falling back to something, which is understandable, which is human.
0: Well, one of the things that I was thinking of when you were just, when you are just saying that is, you know, all these coal mining. Um, areas in the United States, hmm. you know that coal mining is it's the it's the way of the past. I mean we're moved, right. we're not going to need coal anymore. No. Um, we're going to find other alternatives for you know, sources of energy. Um, I mean, Europe uses nuclear energy, and we really Still, should be doing that. Yeah, um, we know we. I think we're all afraid Chernobyl will happen again, but we have better technology today, and we're not going to make those same mistakes. But yeah, we, I, you know,
1: I think in Europe, you know, in 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 the south of Europe, you know, there uh, a lot of solar energy is is mm-hmm. being used. So I think you, you have a huge continent here. So yes, we have many multi sources. There are the, the, the really options out there that uh, you know we could allow to let to let in <laughs> to to embrace. And that can bring the change, and that can be the change. So just sticking uh, with the old stuff—it's kind of like like telling the dinosaurs, you mm-hmm. know, if you you know you know have to to, to tell dinosaurs, please, uh, now you have to become a mammal. So it's kind of like so yeah. if you don't do that, well, you will die <laughs> out. So well,
0: so that's one of the things I was thinking of, because I I remember um, you know here in East Tennessee we have a lot of people that either. Um, I'm just trying to, I'm just thinking like in this area in the Appalachian area we have a lot of people who are either uh, had no people that work in the coal mining mm-hmm. you know or have been related to and um, to people in that working in that field and the, it doesn't necessarily have to be coal mining there's other mining like I know in Copper Hill there's copper mm-hmm. mining and those are all going away and. They're always talking about like, well, what can, what is President Trump going to do for us? What is Hillary Clinton going to do for us? Like, Mm. who's the next president and how are they going to keep our jobs? And I'm just thinking, y'all are going to have to find another job. I mean, you guys are going to have to find another way to make a living. It's Mm. just that it's inevitable. And Mm. when you say that to them, you get met with all this emotional backlash because it's just, like my grandfather was a coal miner my great-grandfather and it's like they can't let go
1: but the reason for that is of course you know when you see it from that's because what we experience is this paradigm shift so it's something that hasn't happened in over the over the, uh, the last generations So yeah. it really goes back to a time you know when when something similar happened and before that you know, it goes back to the 1500s, you know, by the introduction of uh, book printing. Mm-hmm. So it really goes 300 years back to, to <laughs> then when the last time something happened like that, because access to, uh, to books, to, to read, uh, is something that happened a long long time ago and it took a lo- it took 300 years you know in europe to create this french revolution and all that yeah so and you know then it eventually became the industrial age and now we're living in even shorter times in even shorter terms yeah. and now we're getting into the digital age so this is kind of like the change that is happening and change is the only constant in life <laughs> sorry yeah you know that as a, as a nurse <laughs> yes. of course, uh, how life uh, actually works and i get it it's, it's it's tough for, for people to adjust in that regard. But it's really coming down to, to our responsibilities that, uh, you know, the environment is changing and everything is changing and, you know, it's, it's not going to last. And yeah. Many jobs are not going to last. So, you know, you have to, you know, find uh, a way of um, um, define yourself in a new way. And, you know, and that's it's, uh, in, in, in your own responsibility at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think that's where the personal responsibility comes from, because this is a problem that I, I run into a lot, being a libertarian and, or a voluntarist. Um, you know, you tell a coal mining family that it's going to end, you're going to have to find another way to make money. Right. Then the question is, well, how am I going to do that? All I know how to do is this. Then you have to say, it's not my job to tell you that. You are the one that has to figure it out. And then it's all this like, you're just telling me to pull my bootstraps up. You don't care about me. And you're just thinking about, you know, it's just like all this attack because they don't want to sit back and, and think for themselves. So, um, what do you, how do you even talk to somebody like that? Like, do you just not, you just kind of stay out of that conversation and let them figure that out on their own? Or is it our responsibility to try and.
1: It, it comes I down to it comes people. down to what I was saying earlier. It's kind of like you know, it's they are all part of a community in a way, in mm-hmm. a bigger sense. So it's kind of like how we want to live as a community, and you know you can define for yourself if you're part of a community of medical professional of nurses or if you're part of a community that you know just see it in a different however you want to define it. It always come down, so. This is a family thing. Family is the smallest unit in a community. And, you know, if you can help them, you know, create their own businesses, you know, I think entrepreneurship is is a way out of this. Yeah. So, and uh, this is is what has to happen uh, globally. So, you know, nowadays you have like, uh, um, as an entrepreneur, you have like two to three different business models when it's about wealth building when you mm-hmm. want to create wealth. So it's not, you know, and, and some have three, three to five jobs <laughs> even, yeah. you know. So, but you know, making this shift also and letting go of this old thinking, you know, being employed is kind of like being dependent on somebody else or Mm. Tapping into something like entrepreneurship and starting with something, yeah. you know, there's so many options out there. So it's really um, coming down to choice. I think choice. it
0: comes down to a lot of Yeah, because I think like when Flint, Michigan, for example, mm. it fell through and um, all the car manufacturing businesses went to Mexico or over, mm-hmm. or overseas and they shut them all down. And took, I mean, all these people lost their jobs and Flint, Michigan just became a ghost town. Right. All you know, one of the things I remember seeing was a woman talking to Ronald Reagan in an interview, and she was saying, "Well, I, you know, I don't have anything. My, you know, how do how do I? I'm the, I have I'm a single mom. I only have I have to take care of my kids too." And I remember Ronald Reagan saying, "Well, there's jobs in Florida," and she's like, "But I've always lived here," and I think that's the that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you yeah, but now you're gonna have to move or you stay. In Flint, Michigan, where there's nothing.
1: Well, it, it's, it, it's getting easier in a way, but I understand that people are attached to where they are grown up to, then I understand this, but it's, uh, you know, we are living more and more in a global world, so it's just how it is. Yeah. So, and if you're not allowing yourself to uh, tap into that, so then, well. You're limit, but that's you the limit yourself. Yeah, you're limiting yourself, I
0: think, yeah. Um, i trying to think. I think we've pretty much covered, I mean... We've pretty much figured out everything, I think, at this point. We fixed the world, so. Yes. <laughs> um. Is there? Um. I guess you said that you were going to be doing like a a live stream with a friend of yours. So do you want to kind of plug what you're going to be working on?
1: Yeah, we create. Uh, we want to create a live stream. It's called the Art of Goosebumps Hacking. So that is focused on the families, and you know, when is the last time you? experience goose, uh, goosebumps in your family life. So it's really, you know, w- what do you do to create goosebumps? But also what does it mean? So Sherry Fetzer, I'm doing this with, she, she has her own podcast, uh, Lifegasms. Um, so, and, uh, she, she, uh, became my, uh, client too. I coached her also. So, and, uh, we experienced, I, experience a lot of goosebumps <laughs> during her transformations and so we came up with this idea mm-hmm. and so because I'm stand for helping families but it's also on a, on a bigger scale it means like so bringing in experts from all over the world you know talking about what it means um, to create not only goosebumps but fulfilling lives but also how to protect your family and uh, create um, um, an, an empowering community within uh, your family also creating uh legacy businesses in your family so there are all kinds of things that we want to tap into so essentially it always comes down you know you can find uh, information about me on uve.com that's u-w-e-d-o-c-k-h-o-r-n dot com and so that's where my work is but um Yeah, we're going to announce this soon when we're going to start with this and the arts of goosebumps hacking. So thank you for that.
0: (laughs) Well, I was, it was really fun talking to you. Um, Kristen just kind of mentioned that you were here and that I needed to talk to you. So um, I came back and we had, we did this. So that was fun. Um, I'll just put all of that in the show notes because I know that it was a lot and I'll have him write it down for me and I'll put it in the show notes so you guys know where to find him. Um, In the meantime, you can always find the Voluntary Vixens on uh, Instagram. That's where we're most popular, I would say, um, at Voluntary Vixens Podcast. We're on Facebook at Voluntary Vixens. And on Twitter, we are Vixens Voluntary. And if you would like to donate to our Patreon, we are at uh, Vixens underscore Voluntary. And I'll just leave this with you guys and um, I'll just say Maddie's famous line, just keep it sane, keep it peaceful, and keep it voluntary.